shoulder to lean on when I am down rock where he leads me when I'm overwhelmed the place where he hides me under his wing he's not just a song he's a Sing it unto him. play something softly. Oh, Heavenly Father, how blessed we are to be your chosen people, the called out, the church. Lord, the ones that you've looked down on, and like Israel, a chosen people, and yet we're the bride of Jesus Christ. Lord, called out of the church and called to live a life before you and so close to you that you would even come and live in us, Lord Jesus. We want to welcome you tonight, oh God. We want to make room for you in our hearts, oh God. I pray, Lord, where we've thought wrong or looked wrong, said wrong, done wrong, where there's been anything, cover us under the blood. Lord, we want to claim the blood that you shed at Calvary. Lord, we want to come to you, this presence that's come into this room tonight, oh God. We love you. We thank you for the service this morning and how your spirit was so present in speaking, oh God. Lord, I pray one more time. I'm so inadequate, but I pray you could come one more time. Lord, and take the thought that you've put on my heart, oh God. I pray that you would minister, that it would be nothing to do, Lord, that you'd shut my mouth, you'd open my mouth, that you'd just direct the thoughts. Lord, you would know the needs, that you would know the hearts, you would know everything. I pray you'd come. Lord, I welcome you into my heart, into my life. I pray you'd come. We commit ourselves to you, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. How many is happy to be in church tonight? Amen. Well, it's certainly good to be back in the house of the Lord. I, I appreciated the service this morning. God bless you, Brother Andrew. It's good to preach it. Just preach it. That's what we need, and we so appreciate it. And the worship tonight is just the Spirit of the Lord, the, 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 the special tonight. We've never seen the righteous forsaken, never seen his seed begging bread, and we never will. And, 
And just we're, we're trusting in the Lord again tonight. I, I'm kind of nervous, so I, but I just, we'll just trust in God one more time. One more time, I want to also just say, I want to thank you all for the love and the support that you've all shown in the upcoming wedding with myself and Sister Hannah. We appreciate it. It felt like some people are just as excited as we are that we're getting married, and so <laughs> we just want to thank everyone for that, and God bless you all, and I'll just say that it's two big churches. I, I wish we could have invited everyone to the wedding, but two big churches coming together, but thank you all for the love and the support and everything that you've shown. God bless you all. We're very blessed. And Isaiah chapter 53, and then... Thank you to all the musicians and the singing, Brother Ray, and, and 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Isaiah chapter 53, a, a familiar text, as we like to say. But I guess when we're Bible readers, it all becomes familiar. We'll read the first six verses in Isaiah and then 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, my title this morning, this evening is the good report, the good report. And so the scripture asks the question, who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. That's the good report. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Second Corinthians chapter 4, and I wonder if we could start in verse 7. I'm sorry, Sister Ruth, if that would be possible. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, a familiar section of Scripture as well. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, and the and that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus be made manifest in our body. We die daily, that he can live again through us. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We, having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus, and shall present us with you, for all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more, an exce far more exceeding and eternal weight 
of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, the things which are not seen are eternal. God bless you. You can have your seats, and if you can, maybe turn with me to Numbers chapter 13. Book of Numbers chapter 13. My, my title tonight is The Good Report, and truly, this is a world of bad news. That's a world of terrible news. It's a world of fake news. It's a world of all kinds of news. But we have the one source of the good news. We have the source of the gospel. And it's the power of God unto salvation. To, take the, to go from the highest height to the lowest depth. Jesus Christ. God coming down and condescending all the way down to human flesh. To die the death. The worst death that could be died. So he could be the right kind of intercessor and bring us all the way back to himself. To redeem a people to him the good news of God, the good report of God. And we have so much to be thankful for. Numbers chapter 13, I I just want to look at this little story tonight and maybe take some thoughts from the message looking looking unto the unseen, I believe, or, and also at Kadesh Barnea. And in Numbers chapter 13, the children of Israel had come out and they'd come up to a place where they're about to cross over into Jordan. And they come to a place called Kadesh Barnea. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall you send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. And these were, the name, were their names of the tribe of Reuben, Shammah, the son of Zachar, of the tribe of Simeon, Shaphat, the son of Hori, of the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, of the tribe of Issachar, Egal, the son of Joseph, of the tribe of Ephraim, Oshea, the son of Nun, Benjamin, Palidi, the son of Rephu, of the tribe of Zebulun, Gideel, the son of Sodi, and it goes on. And maybe we can drop down to verse 16. These are the names of the men which Moses sent out to spy the land, And Moses called Oshea, the son of Nun, Jehoshua, or we know it as Joshua. And Moses sent them out to spy the land. And this is the task. He said unto them, get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwell therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many. But I just want to stop and say, it really didn't matter if they were strong or weak or few or many. It was their land. It really didn't matter, but they were supposed to come back with a report. Let's see what we're up against. But it really didn't matter what they were. And that the land whether they, is what, that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad. And what cities they be that they dwell in, whether it be in tents or in strongholds, really didn't matter. But still, they're coming back with a report. And what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not. And be ye of good courage and bring the fruits of the land. Now the time was of the time of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rehob as the men came to Hamath. So we know the story well. We know how that the children of Israel were, were taken captive by the Egyptians over time. They had started out as citizens of the land, perhaps under Joseph, their brother's rule, but over time they had become slaves. 
They had come to a place that where they were enslaved in the world. They were enslaved in Egypt, which is a type of the world. And they had begun to live there. And they lived there over a, a space of, I think it was officially 440 years. There was a part where there was a promise that after 400 years, I'll bring them out by a mighty hand. And yet they weren't quite ready to receive the promise. But the children of Israel had been in, in captivity for over 400 years, beat down, slaves, the taskmasters were there, keeping them in chains and servitude. It was the old, it was the young, it was everyone. Brother Branham would say, now this covenant people, Israel down in Egypt, on account of disobedience and of selling their brother Joseph, and was taken down in Egypt, and there was 400 years under bondage. I want you to notice, they never lost their covenant. They lost their freedom, not their covenant. They were a covenant people. They were the chosen people, even though they were in the position that they were in. They had only lost their freedom. When God made the covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he swore by himself, he would save Abraham and his seed after him. God is duty-bound to keep that promise. And what God promises to us, he's duty-bound to keep it. Though we might end up in situations where we lose our freedom through disobedience or different things that would come, God's duty-bound to you if he's ever chosen you, if he's ever called you. You can't be lost. And God would raise up a deliverer by the name of Moses. He was a special man, a hand-picked man of God, probably bred a certain way to have a certain personality. He fit right in, in the end, with the politics of Egypt of the day. He was able to rise up. No one seemed to know the difference that this guy was not like the others. And he became second in command and maybe the second most powerful, the leader of the army, the next pharaoh. He knew all of the ins and outs of Egypt, all of the ins and outs of the military. God had chosen that man in a special way. But now he was all human and God needed to tear him down. But truly, then skipping way ahead, God would lead them out by a mighty hand. He would send Moses in now, an 80-year-old man, in the right position, in the right channel, ready to be submitted to God. And he would step into e Egypt with a staff in his hand and a child on his hip and Zipporah on the camel or whatever it was. And coming in, I'm going to come in and take over. Because God sent me to come and take over this most powerful country in the world. He was a special man. But God allowed trials and troubles through the whole process of deliverance. Just like our lives, all the way going up to a rapture. God allowed troubles and tests every step of the way. As they would come up and, and, and they would say, let my people go. He would speak through Aaron. Moses would say to Aaron and Aaron would say to Pharaoh, let my people go. I'm not going to let them go. Because God had hardened his heart. And there, there was, a red, or there was the, the river Nile that would go red and plague after plague after plague. And Moses, I'm sure, sat there and said, God, I, I was not expecting this. I was not expecting after you told me to come and take the people out by a mighty hand that I would come in difficulty after difficulty after difficulty. But something's interesting. Moses must have started to notice. You keep coming through, God. You keep fulfilling your word. You told me the next day, call for this plague. And I called for it and it came. And there was flies like I've never seen it before. You, called, you told me to call for this. You called me to call for darkness. And it was dark like you've never seen it before. God is true to his word. And he began to prove it to Moses time and time again. And truly to the people around Moses, showing them that this is the man. That this is, this is the one, this guy that's coming out of nowhere. He's 80 years old. He looks like nothing. The last time we heard of him, he was a murderer. But God seems to be backing up his word this time. God seems to be backing up what he says we must have to take note of this. 
And finally, after the last plague, the plague of death touched every firstborn that was not under the blood token, from Pharaoh's house to the lowest slave, and he let him go. I wonder what that day was like. I don't know if you've ever seen, Brother Branham would even mention the, the, the movie, The Ten Commandments, Cecil B. DeMille. When they're all gathering, their first day leaving Egypt, and the people are gathering, the masses are going. I think they looted the Egyptians, if I remember the story right. The Egyptians gave them treasures. They were on their way out. They were going, and they were free. The feeling of freedom is a wonderful feeling. When you know that that taskmaster can't touch me another time, and I get to take his gold too. When you know that I'm going and I'm not coming back. I'm going and I'm not coming back. I must, that must have been the day. But God keeps allowing troubles. Brother Branham, there they went. Then they were leaving. And as they went out, they came to the Red Sea. And oh, they saw the signs and miracles and things taking place. Show after show that God is not just a show, but it would be God proving his word. Time after time. And they seen all the signs and things taking place while they were still down in the old land of Egypt when they got out there on their journey, just converted, brought out. They just left the world. Egypt is a type of the world. Then the first thing you know, they got in trouble. Brother Branham says, God loves to bring you in trouble. He loves to put trouble down and see what you'll do about it. He just stopped up the Red Sea and first thing you know, marched them right out into this place and sent Pharaoh after them. Oh my, God loves to bring you in trouble. He, he and marched and sent Pharaoh after them. See how God likes to do it? He loves to display his power and love. When we enter trouble, when we enter trials and tribulations, did you know that Jesus Christ was led of the spirit to be tempted of the devil? Led into situations where the devil would be there to test him and try him and, and poke at it and poke at it, but the seed was real and it held up and it was true. But it allowed it to prove to the devil and to, and, to, and to yourself. It allows it to prove to yourself who you are and what God's deposited. But troubles come up so that God can show himself in the middle of it all. He loves to display his power and love. He is God and he just loves to show you who he is. And the trouble of it today is people say, oh, them days are past. How can God display himself when you're taught stuff, when you're taught stuff, stuff as that? But God loves to manifest himself. Well, the Red Sea parts, they walk on dry land. Miriam, uh, 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 the, the sister of Moses, who was, I think, five or seven years older than Moses, so she had to be 80 plus, 85 plus years old. She, la- she led the dance, the dance of freedom. She had all of her life been bound, every day of her life, only known bondage for 80 years. Didn't know anything but the whip of the taskmaster and the, the task that she had to do. But there was a day of freedom where she saw the last bubble come up of her last enemy, of the last chariot, of the last horse go down. And Miriam, it says in Exodus, and Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand. And all of the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered them, sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. What was God doing? What was God doing? He was proving himself time and time again. I'm God. I'm in control. You'll come to a situation. You might worry about it, but don't worry about it. I've got it, and I'm going all the way through, and we're going to keep going. Just like every other time, we're going to keep going through. Time after time. And while time after time, God would prove himself. 
take a few quotes from the message looking at the unseen. When a man once catches that vision, I love this quote, when the man once catches that vision of the invisible God and knows that he's always present, there's something that stabilizes that man's thinking. It stabilizes his actions. And in the time of distress and trouble, it'll still make him look upward and above the things that are happening around him because he's looking at the unseen yet by promise. He's looking at the unseen yet it's still a promise, but it'll come. Brother Branham would say, my subject tonight is looking at the unseen. We are told we have an outward man and an inward man. And the outward man looks by his eyes and the inward man walks by faith. So we have to be led by one of these two persons. Outside, outward man is self. Inward man is God, if we're born again. You see, we do not see with our eyes, though many times we, ought, we have thought that we see with our eyes, we only look with our eyes, but we see with our heart. Jesus told Nicodemus once, except a man be born of the Spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In other words, he meant this, you cannot understand the kingdom of God until you're born again. So you have to make an effort to accept it. That's the struggle even tonight, that there would be a choice made and an effort to accept it if that's what you need. And then after you'd have accepted it, then you're able to understand it. Brother Brandon would say, man is always trying to achieve something by his head. He's supposed to achieve by his heart. That's the control tower where God controls him, directs his thoughts, directs his walks, directs his emotions. Brother Branham says, sometimes I get so happy, I just have to let it loose. And if I'd look around and see somebody, then see, I got my eyes on people then. But God helped me to keep my eyes closed. I just want to be led by the Spirit of God that the flesh will have nothing to do about it. May God help us to walk in the Spirit, that we wouldn't fulfill the things of the flesh, the pride, the lust, all of those things, that we would walk holy in the Spirit, day by day, step by step, overcoming. Now he likened us unto sheep. A sheep is totally lost without a leader. Now if you've ever raised sheep, you know how true that is. If you ever went to a slaughterhouse, I think it's one of the most pitiful cases of animal life. Brother Branham would describe how they'd put the goat out first, and the goat would go down the pen, and there would be a part where the sheep would follow, and the goat would be smart enough to know where to turn off. And the turnoff would happen, and the sheep would go on, and would be slaughtered helpless. So we should follow the leading of the Holy Spirit always. And we can't follow the leading of the Spirit until we have that Spirit in us. God knows what he's doing as long as he's a leading. How many believes that? You see, you must always go by the Spirit, and the Spirit will always agree with the Word. Now, if the Spirit leading leads you contrary to the Word, then it's not the Spirit of God. Now, if this Holy Spirit is leading you, say, it'll say, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. If it's a religious spirit or some other type of spirit that isn't the Spirit of God, it'll say, it was for a day gone by, but not now. How could you make that act right? Because he said he's the same. Oh, how happy we are to see that the Spirit of truth, bearing record with his word, that it is the Spirit of truth. Then sons and daughters follow it. It'll stay right in the lids of the Bible and confirm every promise. The Brandon would tell a story. I'm sorry if there's a lot of quotes. I guess I just go that way. But I'm sure all, most of you have all seen. I would believe it was in Look magazine, he would say. Here some time ago, they have an article on the wild geese. 
how that every fall of the year, God has these geese get a big get-together, a revival. And they come from every little swamp coming together, how I've watched these little fellows. I first found God by watching nature and seen that something led them. Little ducks that's born up on the ponds in Canada, never been off the pond, is born in the spring of the year, just feathered out, become a duck on the pond, and he's satisfied. He's got plenty to eat. But just let this mountain snow cap out in the middle of the water, and the first cold breeze come across that mountain, that little leader will get up in the middle of the water, stick the little honker up in the air, honk four or five times, and every duck in the pond will come right to him. He'll raise right off of the pond and go as straight to Louisiana as he can, to the rice fields with no compass. Why? They call it instinct. I call it God, he says. That's God's provided way for him. And it seems like they're all in unity. They all fly together and they go straight. But he says, but let them get disunified one time, that group of ducks. Look Magazine was telling about an old gander that raised up the north some time ago and he got off all the be- got off got all off the beam, he says, and many of the geese flew back and left him, but he kept calling to them, and he was so far off till he flew all the way to England. That's way off. That's the other way. That's the wrong way. Many of them perished in their going, and that's the way. I I do not mean this rashly now, but I'm sure many of our church leaders has got the church like that, he says. And now they say every year these geese, when fall of the year comes, they swarm together, get together. They're ready for the revival, but they don't know which way to go. They've been so far back. You think of denominational churches and where they have the people, where they take them to. I I was talking to someone not long ago that wouldn't even believe maybe that Jesus was God, Christian. And that's just the level that they've come to, a sincere man, a very good Christian man, but they're, they're, they're missing it. They're missing how Jesus would, God would condescend and come into flesh so he could understand us. And, and some leaders might just w- sincerely follow what they believe is true, but some know better. And they would lead them down the wrong path this way or that way. Look, and I think it's about the way it's got today till the church has become a social gathering instead of the leading of the Holy Ghost and the baptism back again. They talk about revival in our days. Billy Graham Graham mentions it so many times. And I'd like to see a revival in our days. But there's leaders that's taking the people this way, that way. Oh, I pray that God will send such a spirit of conviction in the Holy Ghost till they'll come back to his leadership. And truly, we know the world is gone. We know denomination. All these things are gone. But may God lead us on. May God lead the church of God on. Brother Branham would say, All these strange voices in the world of this social gospel that just belong to church and that's all that's necessary, why hasn't it done something? You watch a church member, just be a church member. There's no change. There's no change. And that's where we have the problems and all the things that would come. You'd look at a church in some distance and you hear about this or that. That would happen. You hear about some denominational pastor and the scandal of this and that. There was no change. There was something that didn't happen. He was only ever a church member, though a minister in some other denominational realm. God allowed that every church, that every member that we would have here would be born again by baptism of the Holy Spirit, born in the fire, that there would be nothing that could turn them around. If it's just belonged to church and all that's necessary, why hasn't it done something? 
Brother Branham says, it's done nothing but confuse the people. What we need tonight is a unified church filled with the Holy Ghost and power from on high, led by the Spirit of the living God on the control tower. They won't say, hey, I'm a Baptist, I'm a Methodist, Brother Andrew said it well, I'm from end time, I'm from Edmonton Living Word, I'm from Manifested Word, doesn't matter. God is there, God is here. A real true Spirit of God will recognize his brother or sister. I don't care what kind of a brand he's wearing. Oh, we need the leadership again, walking after the unseen, the way that God leads us. Brother Brandon would say, I know you, I, I know you know, I know you know I'm a fanatic, but I'm fanatically about one thing. It's Jesus Christ and his promises. His promises is how he shows himself, how he proves himself. I'm the Lord that healeth thee. Thy and thy family shall be saved. I'm, I, he who the Son has set free is free indeed. The promises of God that come out to reach the sinner, to reach the Christian, to reach everyone and bring them to the spot that they ought to be, the place we ought to live, the promises of God, the good report. I'll begin to move into my thought in one moment. But look at Joshua. Before one rock ever come out of the building, the walls of Jericho, Joshua walked around the walls shouting the victory. For by faith he saw the victory. He saw what the good report was. He saw what the truth was. He didn't see walls. He didn't see all those things. He looked past it. He saw the promise of God. This is my land. Those are my mountains. This is my place. Every footstep is my possession. He knowed the walls was coming down, and he armed his men and walked around and around and around Jericho for seven days in full armor. That's quite the commitment. In full armor, knowing he's going to just go take off his armor and do it again tomorrow. What doing? Because he was looking at the unseen. It was a promise God made. And then he says, how much can you walk around a wheelchair? How much can you walk around cancer? How much can you walk around sin shouting the victory that God gives you the promise? How much can you walk around your family? How much can you walk around the thing that you have need of? Knowing that God gave the promise, shouting the victory. When you see him who is invisible, when that pulsation comes into your heart. Brother Branham would use that word in this message. When that pulsation would come, that quickening, that something would come, begin to pulsate, I am the Lord who heals all thy diseases. When you can see that, everything else weakens away. You can struggle with something, but when you know this is true, I know God says, I can be free, I can be healed, I can be saved. And you begin to believe that more than the symptoms. And you begin to doubt your doubts. God is, the scripture would say, he's the dissolver of doubts. They melt away. When you can see the promise, don't ever back up from the promise. I am the Lord that heals all thy diseases. Joshua looked at the unseen. He walked around the walls, believing it would happen. It all depends on what you're looking at. We'll take a turn here. Elder Brandon would say, same message looking at the unseen. I'm told that a snake can catch the eye of a bird. And he can get direct hold of that bird. He can make that bird come right off of his roost and flutter right around and around and around, come right straight to the snake's mouth. I'm told that the eye of a snake is so powerful that when it catches the eye of a bird, it charms him, lures him right into the snake. They say that little bird will flutter and flutter coming down. And if it don't quickly start raising its head and shaking that snake and looking upward, 
it'll never free itself. That's the only way it can free itself. And that's the way it is tonight with some of the little birds of this country. They've been lured by the things of the world, by a social gospel, by saying joining church is all that's necessary. The days of miracles has passed until it's charmed them. The wrong report. The evil report. Don't look at the things and see The only thing you can do is flutter your wings and look upward quickly and see Jesus. Not the things of the world. Don't look at the things the world's alluring you to, big places in our societies and so forth, but look up and see Jesus flutter quickly and get out of it. Shake off the dust off of you and ask for the old way, for in it is life. When temptation comes, that's what you have to do. When the devil would begin to pull you with this or that or a thought or something, the quicker you can pull yourself out of it. That's the way out, is quickly flutter. No, no, this is what God said. When a wrong attitude or a wrong thing, the longer you let it sit, the more it develops. The root of bitterness, the scripture would say, the root of bitterness springing up thereby many be defiled. That doesn't happen in a day. It's by something that you fed and something that you let stay. But the quicker we can turn our eyes from the serpent, from the, from the devil that would try to charm you out off of that ladder that Brother Andrew was talking about and get you back down to something that we didn't need to be at, I wonder if we could look back again at Numbers chapter 13 and continue a little bit along. Verse 21. So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rehob as men came to Hamath. And they ascended by the south and came unto Hebron where Ahem and Shishai and Talmai and the children of Anak were. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zon in Egypt. And they came unto the brook of Eshcol and cut down thence a branch from, with one cluster of grapes and they bare it between two on a staff and they brought off the pomegranates and of the figs. The place was called the brook Eshcol because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. I think it says there that two men had to bury it on a staff. That's a lot of fruit. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. So they went out for quite a while as spies. Maybe looked like the people, maybe did all that they did, but for 40 days. And Israel's not, that area's not maybe that large from what we would even see on a map. They they covered the land, these 10 men, 12 12 men, 12 spies. They went out, and this one went there, and that one went there, maybe two by two. And they began to see what this land is about. The task was, what are the people? Are they weak or strong? Is the land lean or fat? What are all the things? We want to report back. God's given us this land, but what's the report? What do you say about it? What's the testimony about it? They went out and they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel and to the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we said, we came into the land whither thou sentest us and surely it floweth with milk and honey. That was what was the promise. It flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled. All true things. Facts. Maybe not the truth, but facts. The cities were walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, and bit by bit, the congregation, fear began to rise up. You could feel it in the room, I'm sure, or the, the, on the backside of it. I guess there wasn't a room big enough for all of them. 
but you could feel it rise. The children of Anak are there, and the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea. And by the coast of Jordan, and Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once to possess it, for we are stronger than, they, than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land though which, through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And we saw the giants, the son of Anak, which came of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and in their sight we were grasshoppers. What a testimony. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't understand even in my own humanity how you would see miracle after miracle after miracle a week ago in Egypt and over the last number of months in Egypt and they would come out and then they would doubt again at the Red Sea. Then they would watch the Red Sea part, walk on dry land and about three or four days later they would come up to Kadesh They would send men out, I think, for 40 days now. I'm putting my timeline together, so maybe another 40 days. They've had time. They've done their thing. They've gotten a little bit of lukewarm, I guess. And they would come down, and the report would come back, and they would say, okay, well, let's go. This is our land. We're going to go take it. Go tell us about it. And they would come with an evil report, saying, we can't do it. After all that God did. I'll say, after all that God did through one man, Moses and Aaron, now there's a I think at that point, maybe 600,000 of them it would grow to 2 million. They could, if God could do all of that through Moses on the greatest country in the world, what could God do through 600,000 on this land of Canaan? And they said, we're small. We're grasshoppers. We have nothing. We can't do it. We're down and out and we're defeated. I want to point out a key element of the story. They had left Egypt. They weren't sinners. They had come out. They had been walking now in the path. They had been walking to God. They were coming up to what would be the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They were coming up to that true change, that true new birth. But they were not sinners. They were not in Egypt anymore. They were men of God. They were women of God. They were walking and following. But there was what Brother Branham would say and the Bible would say, a mixed multitude. There was some that, that had left Egypt, but some, for some of them, Egypt hadn't left them. They still had a desire to go back. And if they could, like Abraham was saying, if, if he truly knew what he had come out of, he might have desired to go back. Or maybe Moses or Abraham in the book of Hebrews. But these people desired to go back when the difficulty came, when the trial came, when something happened. Brother Branham would say, didn't you act like they did? In the days of the provocation is the word that even the Bible would say. In the days of the provocation, when they provoked God, how did they do it? He says, Not by living immorally. He says, let me grind this down to you. You say, Brother Branham, I go to church. That's all right. I never lied in my life. That's fine. I never stole. I never done this, that, or the other. That's very fine. That's all good. But that still isn't sin. We know this. We've been taught so well. Brother Branham would teach us what sin is. Those are the attributes of sin. But the sin is when God shows himself and you disbelieve it and you won't listen to it. 
Oh, you say, my church don't teach that. As long as the Bible teaches it and God proves it, that's the thing. Brother Branham would say the sin was when God shows himself and you disbelieve it and won't listen to it. Brother Brandon would begin to preach in the message at Kadesh Barnea, a, a powerful message. He'd say, what I'm trying to get at is this. The greatest sin I find in the church today is unbelief. Amen. That's the only sin there is, he says. There's no other sin but unbelief. How much of that night out there, how much is dark? You can say, well, this much is dark and this much. When it's all dark, I, I'm not reading that well, but I'll drop down. Now there's only one way to designate and to determine sin. That isn't by whether you drink or whether you smoke or whether you gamble. It's designated this way. Because you're an unbeliever, you do that. And that's true because you gamble, because you lie, because you steal. Those things are not sin. That's the results of sin. And that's because that in you dwells a different spirit. If you was a believer, a firm believer, those things would be as dead and as dark as the night before you. Certainly. Those things are the attributes of sin. John chapter 3, that believeth not is condemned already. You haven't got to first base. So Brother Brown says, so it doesn't mean that you have to have a measuring stick in your church. If you do this, if you measure up to the rules, if you measure up to that rule, many times people will lay aside little things like that to belong to a church, and the thing is still in their heart, and they slip around and do it. So it's not about the measuring stick, the rules. But he would say, but when a man has met God's requirement, a desire change. I'll start. A desire changes, and you want to live up to the you want, you have to. It's just what comes out of you. Bear, it manifests itself. Can you imagine a pig? The pig will go into a pile of manure. He'll eat. I don't blame the pig. He's a pig. That's what makes him do it. But you'll never get a lamb to do that because there's two natures. The pig is one nature. The lamb has another nature. And as long as you can keep that same nature in the pig, no matter how you try to clean him up, he'll have the same nature because he's a pig to begin with. And therefore, a lot of times we take people. This, this section has just been so is striking, this next little bit. And therefore, we take, a, we take people, or the part right after this, but we'll get to it. A lot of times we take people and bring them into church and so forth like that, make them members when they never become saved. That's the reason today there's such a mix-up. The critics, the different ones will go around and they'll, they'll point out at Christianity. They'll point out the message. They'll say, well, what about this person? What about that? What about this? What happened there? Here's the, here's the explanation for what happened there. That's the reason today is such a mix-up. As in the face of the people, they don't know which way to turn. They see, see people professing Christianity and no different from the world. It's because the person has never come in contact or ever been born again never accepted the Lord Jesus, never believed on him. They might have worked up, they might have danced, they might have shouted, they might have spoke with tongues, they might have done all these things, but never come to the person Christ Jesus and actually been born again. In their heart, these things die out, a nature is changed, and a new person is born. I, I know this is, this is maybe even hard. I, I wasn't, I was burdened even with some of the thoughts that came to me, so it's a hard thing to say some of these things. But what we want, God bless you, Brother Max, for what you preached last Sunday night. God bless you, Brother Andrew, for Sunday morning. I, I grew up in this church with Brother Harold preaching the word of God. Now, Brother Ed's come behind. We're preaching the word of God. And what I remember growing up is a sin-killing gospel. Brother Harold was accused of being a legalist. You know why? Because he preached what was legal. 
It was what the message said. It was legal. That's all it was. He was accused of many, but we preached it sin-killing black and white. And I'll say it's a lot easier when I maybe would listen to Brother Max or Brother Andrew preach it, but there's things on my heart, so I've got to say it too. But we're never going to back down from this gospel. Brother Ed, Brother Andrew, Brother Max, Brother Moses, we're going all the way in. These things are not always easy to say, but what we want is a church that's born again from the front to the back. From the inside and out. We want the Holy Ghost to burn out every bit of sin. Every bit of everything. And any enemy that would come against, we're here to stand and say, this is our land. This is our mountain. If we're, if we're at Kadesh right now, Kadesh was a place of judgment. A place of decision where they had to decide, are we going in or not? And, some, and they didn't. And they went around for 40 years because they displeased God. I'm getting way ahead of maybe things we're just preaching now. But when we come to points... Where are we going? Are we going to follow God? Are we going to follow the good report? Yeah. Are we going to back up and say, oh, there's giants and there's enemies and there's all these things? Or are we going all the way to a promise? I'm going all the way to a promise. And what we need today in our seminaries is not so much theology to be taught, but a burning bush experience. When, God get, when men get down before God and meet him face to face, we need a challenger today like we had in that day. What we need is men and women who has met God and know what they're talking about. Not someone trying to teach from some church book or some open theology. What we need today is a man that's been in the presence of a burning bush has been born again, changed, made a new creature. That's the type of person we need today. That's the kind of person that will stay on the firing line regardless of what comes or goes. Keep on the firing line. So we find out this goes a mixed multitude. Many times people of God saying, yes, I am, I'll do this, and we find out those people were carnal. Just as soon as the first little strain come, they desired to go back to Egypt. They wanted the garlic pots. Brother, Brother Harold would always say there must have been Ukrainians in the crew. I'm Ukrainian. Perzok is Ukrainian. They wanted the fish out of the, water, the river. They wanted the leek and the garlic. They wanted the things which he had down in Egypt. That's a beautiful and perfect type of the carnal church member today. He loves the things of the world because he's not of God. The people said, if you love the world or the things of the world, the love of God is not even in you. And Christ is all right, of his, is, is right in all of his statement. And that's true. Oh, I wish God could somehow put this on the left side, down under the fifth rib and tap it down. A man, no matter how much you try to pretend, when it comes to a strain, a man will show his best and worst points under strain. That's right. Take a Christian sometime and put him under a strain and watch how he acts. And you can tell what he's made of. Everybody going good, everybody can praise the Lord while the Holy Spirit is falling in a congregation of people, but let trouble arise. Watch what takes place, watch what happens. Then are you falling around? Are you one of the mixed multitude? Are you the people who can't, as the street expressions say, can't take it? That's it, you can't stand up to it. Brother, if you've got that way, backslidings and ups and downs and ins and outs, why don't you come to Calvary? and die out to yourself 
and be born again of the Spirit of God. And he goes into a striking section, I'll say right here, that strikes me too. He says, shame on you who would profess Christianity, you who live in your churches. And he would say, we have no members here. Branham Tabernacle, I believe, at the time. We have no members here. You just come here. You all belong to different churches. But he says, but you people who profess to be Christians and then live something outside of that, you're not. He says, you're an indebtment to the society of the Lord Jesus Christ. God help me. God help us all. There's a section here that he says, you profess to be Christians and are ashamed to take him at his word or testify him. I need, I need help, Brother Andrew. God bless you for playing the music wherever you are to, for standing for the gospel. We need to be more unashamed. I've been ashamed so often to just be, you know, just blend in. And, but God help us. If this is really the truth, we should sing so the whole world sees it. God help me. He says, if you who profess to be Christians and are ashamed to take him at his word or testify to his power and glory at any time, says you're an indebtment to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Stand to the word. Sink or drown. Stand to the word. We're listening to a tape driving in. Brother Brandon would talk about a, a Christian minister that was challenged on the mission field, I think, for whether or not they, somebody could be healed. And the man said, well, I, I, I can't do it or back down to the challenge or something. And Brother Brandon would say, you know what I would have done? There were different parts he said, but he said, I would have stood there. And even if he wasn't healed, I would have stood there anyway as a testimony that I believed he could. Just like the Hebrew children going into the fiery furnace that said, I know my God is able to deliver. And even if he doesn't, I know he's God. Even if it doesn't work out the way I thought, I know he's God. It doesn't have to happen to my preconceived idea. Let's look for God. Brother Branham would say this statement in the message, looking at the unseen a few times, and it just jumped out at me. I'd never really noticed it before, but he says, we don't see all things, but we do see Jesus. Yeah. So what is that when we're looking at the unseen? Why did this happen? Why is that? What's this situation? Why are the enemy? Why is, I don't know. I don't see all things, but I do see Jesus. That's looking at the unseen. That's looking beyond all of the things around. I see Jesus in our midst. Do you see Jesus in our midst? We, we don't see all things. We don't know all things. But we do see Jesus. He's the one, the invisible, the one that we, invisible, the one that we look to. By promise, we know. We know. What we need today is the wishbone out and a backbone put in Christianity. It's there. The thing we need is some born-again Christians, women and men and women, who will, when they see trouble arising, not slip off, not fall off, not, not run out this way, be partakers of it, but a man or woman who will stand and show their colors. Even your friends will appreciate you more when you'll do that. Brother Branham says, even your friends will appreciate you more when you do that. But they went out. And as soon as they got over there, they begin to complain. They had only been out in the desert three months. They begin to say, oh, if I had some garlic, if I had some leek. They, went, they were out there and had substituted angel's food for garlic. You think about that. They've been eating angel's food, manna. And, and it was complaining why their gastronomics, he would say, wasn't able to digest angel's food. That's the matter today. We haven't had an old-time Holy Ghost revival and our, our spiritual gastronomics is not able to digest. I believe we could handle it. I believe we can handle it. He says, we need a doctor's prescription. That's Dr. Jesus' prescription. They, didn't hold, they don't hold on. They go on. They, hold back, they go back. Just the first little thing rise up. Complain, fuss, stew. A church that gets, started on, gets one of them things started, it's like a cancer. 
It'll kill the whole church. We ought, to, we, we ought to get that started and get it out, he says. Now, when they wasn't gone very far, think, eating angel's food, come down from heaven, and was complaining. And they were drinking waters from a smitten rock, the pure holy waters of life, and was complaining. They wanted the muddy waters of the Nile. So it is today. People say, oh, preacher, you're too narrow-minded. You take all the pleasures away from the church when you go to preaching against these kinds of things and that kind of thing. Brother, if the church stood where she professes today, she would love the things of God and hate the things of the world. Got a mixed multitude, that's the matter. A mixed multitude of people who desires the things of the world and wants to petty along with the church. That's what causes them to stumble and fall. That's what shuts off prayer meeting. That's the way organized with all kinds of societies take the altar off the front pew and the only fire it's got is in the basement. I think he's talking about a furnace. That's what tells the preacher to preach 15 minutes and make it out of rosaries or red birds or something. But I tell you, a born-again church of the living God wants to hear the gospel. Cause a man that's born of the Spirit of God, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Mixed multitudes. They went up. They had left their great boasting positions of Egypt, boasting in their material ideas and their mechanical devices. In their medical science and the way they had in their mechanics, they were boasting of their positions. They had left that to journey with the great physician and were still complaining. Isn't that just the mixed multitude they have today? And the first thing you know, they come to a place called Kadesh Barnea. Kadesh Barnea is the judgment seat, was the judgment seat of the world. The real meaning of it was a great super spring. It bubbled up, as, and Brother Brandon would go on to describe it. He would go on to describe the place, and I'll just, I'm going to keep moving a little bit. But it was a place of decision. It was a place of judgment. You could see the children of Israel were brought up to that spot. They were brought up to that place to say, will you go over? We'll get the report. We'll see what they say. And now we're going to go forward. And they didn't. They came up to that spot and they chose the evil report. Has God's promises ever failed? No. God's promises hadn't failed for them. They had seen it. Has God ever not come through? He's the God of possible. He's the God of the impossible. He's the God of it all. Whatever your circumstance or situation, do we believe him? It, we've, we've talked about our loved ones coming home. We've talked about different things that have been maybe said. Have we seen it yet? Maybe not. But does that shake us yet? Oh, it'll take a stronger wind than that to shake us. It'll take a stronger wind than that. Satan can't bring enough to shake us. All that can be shaken will be shaken, but we won't be shaken. There's something in us that looks at the good report that says we're free, that says we're going forward. We don't see all things, but we do see Jesus. We don't see all things, but we do see Jesus. Kadesh Barnea came to the place where there had to be a judgment. Moses told, chose 12, one out of each tribe. He sent them over to spy out the land. When they came back, I wish you could notice what a report. Oh, they said, it's a goodly land. Oh, it's a wonderful land. It's flowing with milk and honey. But 10 of them said, we can't take it. We can't take it. Oh, said, we met the Amorites, the Midianites, and the Canaanites, and all that. Why, we looked like grasshoppers aside of them. They're great big fellows, and their city are all walled in, and there's no way for us to ever get in. Oh, our hearts are fainting within us. We can't take it. And the popular 
and, and I'll just drop down. But there stood two of them, one named Caleb and one named Joshua, who brought back a cluster of grapes, and two men had to pack it. Caleb said, quiet yourselves down before the prophet. Quiet yourselves down. I, brother, I remember Brother Harold preaching this story well. And he would say, and he would say, shut up. And as a little kid, I wasn't allowed to say shut up. But Brother Harold could say it in church when bringing out this example. He would say, shut up. That's what they had to do. They didn't have microphones. They had to still, at that point, maybe 600,000 people that were murmuring and complaining and all the little things going on. And they had to say, shut up. I've got a good report. We're more than able to take it. Don't believe the other side. Don't believe what the devil would say. We're more than able to take it. Quieten yourselves down. We are well able to take it. Let's go get it immediately. But there... What we need in this hour, Brother Branham said, is a man to challenge the promise of God before the people. God promised the pouring out of Pentecostal blessings in this last day. I mean a real Pentecostal pour out. And it's time for it to come. He's preaching. He says, another Kadesh Barnea has arrived. They said, we can well do it. Sure we can do it. What was it? Those cowardly church members were looking to what they could see with their eyes. But Caleb and Joshua was looking to God's promise. I don't care how much opposition they had, how big the giants looked, how big the fences looked. They were looking to God's promise. And every, and every man and woman tonight that wants to go on with God, don't pay any attention to what the world says. Whether we can or whether we can't, God promised it and that settles it. God said so. I like that. When God says so, that settles it forever. I tell you tonight, we've had a whole lot of false pretenses. We've had a lot of make-believe. We've had a lot of stuff that would be for a show. The devil always throws his forerunners at you, he says. There were so many prophets that would come right before Jesus would come or different things that would happen. A counterfeit to scare the people. We've had a false Pentecost. We've had all this. But in the midst of it, there's a genuine baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's a genuine Pentecostal blessing. A genuine divine healing. A genuine spirit. There's a genuine people. And tonight, Brother Branham would say, Branham Tabernacle has got to make up its mind. We're either going on or going back. That's right. You're going to go back to garlic and leeks and stuff of Egypt, or you're going to go on to angel's food. To the promised land where God made a promise. We're going on to the old-fashioned Holy Ghost revival, or you'll be wishy-washy, packing around and pecking like a robin on an apple until the day you die, he says. You've got to make your decision. You can't go on. Why halt you between two opinions, said Elijah. God be God, serve him. If he's not God, then don't serve him. What are you going to do, brother? God has put the responsibility on you. That's it. And we've each one got to give an account for our own sins. An answer at the day of judgment. We're in Kadesh Barnea, he says. And God's word said we can take it. We're in Kadesh Barnea, and God's word says we can take it. All of those things were a foreshadow. Hebrews would talk about the, the day of provocation. They're a foreshadow for us so that we didn't do the same thing. It was an example, an example, so that we didn't do the same thing as the children of Israel. That, that, that root word of the word provocation would come from provoke, and I think going all the way back from some of the root words in Greek, or I think it would be Greek in the New Testament, it would go to the word embittered. And, and it would say that God would say, you provoked me. 
We can deal with bitterness as humans, but imagine God being bitter with a people. They had provoked him. At one point he says, these 10 times you've provoked me or tried me or tempted me, I think is the word he used. God at this point had become embittered. He said, why? Why after all of the things I've shown you in Egypt, after all of the things in the desert, and now we come down to Kadesh Barnea and you won't get the land I've, I promised to Abraham. This promise had gone all the way back to Abraham. All those miracles and all those plagues and things, those were just things in the moment. But this was the ultimate promise. And I'll say we have an ultimate promise of a baptism of the Holy Ghost and we have an ultimate promise of a rapture. Let's go get them. Let's go all the way. Let nothing hinder in between. But go all the way focused in what the word of God says. Take it 100%. Take it all the way down into your soul. Let it live. Let it breathe. Let it flow to every part of your body, every part of your being, every fiber of your life, every door. Open every door. You've got to make your decision. And God's word says we can take it. God's word said we can have a revival. God's word said he would raise up in the last days all these here signs and wonders, and he's done it. Sometimes we maybe don't always stop and maybe fully remember all the things that God's done. I, I, I just texted Sister Terry. How many remember Sister Terry's testimony from a few weeks ago? I want to read it to you, if that's okay. I don't know if the, the testimony is, but she said the short version is, for about seven months, this is in our church, this is in another church, other churches, God's moving everywhere, but God moves here. He says, for about seven months, something started forming on the top of my hand that started as an age spot, Sister Terry writes. It got bigger and darker. Three people told me to have it looked at, and it didn't look good at all. In the beginning of June, I went to the doctor, and she said it was skin cancer. Dark spots, when they go dark, it's not good. When they look like that, it's not good. She said it was skin cancer. She wanted me back in a few weeks to biopsy it and remove it. I went home and felt I sure don't want to claim this cancerous thing. There's a sister in her land. There's a sister standing in her land to say, this is my mountain, this is my footstep. I don't want to claim this thing. I don't have to. The box of rattlesnakes ain't mine. We'll send it back. I sure didn't want to claim this cancerous thing, so I just laid my hand over on it and cursed it in the name of the Lord. That's our right. When the enemy comes against us, we can curse him in the name of the Lord. If we're living right, if our lives are right, if we're in the right spot, why do we let the devil push us around? We shouldn't. Kick him out. I cursed it in the name of the Lord. Within three days, it turned completely white and just fell off. I went back to the doctors a few weeks ago and she took an after picture and couldn't believe it just fell off. I asked her if she believed in prayer. She said she did and she agreed it was a miracle. That's God. That's God here. That's God today. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And forever. And forever. We're going back to an old-fashioned Holy Ghost revival. He's done it. And now I've lost my place, but you've got to make your decision. Whether you'll come to Christ or whether you'll turn him down tonight. Every sinner in here has got to make that decision, he says. 
You'll either go out of that door a better man or woman than you came in, or you'll go out worse than you was when you came in. You can't stand mediocre tonight. You've got to make it. There's a decision that will be made at every service. Will I accept it or will I reject it? Will I take it? Will I bring it into me or will I say, ah, that, this was on my heart, Brother Branham says. It was on my heart and now it's on your hand. You've got to make your decision. You've got to make a decision. You've maybe been a good church member. Maybe you've always longed that you wanted more of God. You might have wanted to do something for God. Remember, you're only mortal once. Now is the time, the only time you're going to be mortal. If there's something you've wanted to do for God. If there's something you'd say, I desire to, I see someone doing this, or I see someone doing it, and we're not all cut out the same way, but if there's something that, you don't want to get to heaven, and how many talents did you, did you multiply? What are we going to do with what we have in our hand? Let's do everything we can with our hand. We have in our hand the most precious thing on the planet. The message of the hour. God help me. There's more we can do to spread the message around everywhere. God help me at work. God help me. God help us all at school. God help us where we would be. Say, this is the only thing that really matters. Yeah. Nothing else matters. Your money won't go anywhere. Your time won't go anywhere. All the fun things. We all have hobbies. We all have things. But that won't go anywhere when it comes to eternity. When it comes to eternity, God help me to leave with nothing left of this world, to have given everything away, to come empty on the other side, only having the character that God's developed. Each one of us taking that character, that tried gold, come to the other side and hear him say, well done. That's what we want. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You might have wanted to do something for God. Remember you're only mortal once and that one time is the only time you're going to be mortal. This may be that time you've got to make your decision. You're either going to move up with God or stay where you're at. You have to make your decision tonight. If it is, I pray you'll throw everything loose. I don't care what it is. If it's job, if it's family, if it's loved ones, if it's associates, if it's your partners or whoever it is, turn loose of everything. He that put his hand on the plow and even turns to look back is not worthy of the plowing. That's right, lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset you. What is that? Lay aside every weight and the unbelief that does so easily beset you and run with patience the race that's set before you. You're at Kadesh Barnea. Yonder lays every blessing that God ever promised you. Yonder lays an old-fashioned revival. There lays joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, meekness, patience, laying before you, and you don't possess it. It's yours. God has promised you. Do you want it? The man lying at the pool had to be asked, do you want to be well? Do you want to be free? Do you want to be delivered? Go get it. Go claim it. Go take it. Go take what's yours. Brother Branham, at this point, he would have the people had their head bowed. You don't have to do that. But he would just be calling out things. And he says, is there a family here about to be broken up? You argue and fuss with one another. You know you oughtn't to do it. You're ashamed the way you act around your wife or your husband. You want God tonight by his grace to give you grace to overcome it? Put your arm around he or she and say, honey, by the grace of God from tonight on our decision, I'll live for God. He would, he would ask people to raise their hand, and he says, I'm so thankful there's not. No one had raised their hand. He says, but if there is, God knows how to take care of all things. God cares about all things. 
He would want a family in line, in peace and in harmony. He would want life and in peace and in harmony. He wants us even to be in peace and harmony, though sometimes the outside rages, but here, peace and harmony. Is there a person here tonight that has been sick for a long time? Maybe you seem like you've been prayed for, but you haven't faith to overcome it. But right now that you're going to make your decision, Lord God, from this very hour, I'm going to serve you. That's the first step. I'm going to serve you, and I'm going out here testifying to the grace of God that by his stripes, I am healed. I'm going to believe it from this night on. Told Moses, send some spies over out into the land where we're going, where I promised you, if God told them it was a good land, if God made all the promises, that looked like it ought to have satisfied anyone, if God said so. We, we holler, praise the Lord. But brother, the same God that made that promise back there is making every promise he made them. He's making us every promise that we have tonight. The same God that brought them to Kadesh. The same God that said, this is your land. And it was physical land that's still on the map today. Is the same God. Is the same God that, that when, we, when we stumble and when we disbelieve, God says, why? I gave it to you. Go get it. Go take it. Go believe it. It's yours. Why do we doubt it? God's word said we can take it. God's word said we can have a revival. God's word said he would raise up in the last days all these signs and wonders. Every man stand in his place. But the thing we've got to do is get together and start the revival. Get together. Start the revival. Let it start with me. Let it start with you. Let's come together. Let's start the revival. What can we do? Your decision might come right now. He says your decision might come another time. But if it's come now, you better answer to it. Oh, brother, well, I'll make a decision someday. You've got to make it, and right now is the time to make it. I'm winding down. Brother Brandon would talk about a, a plane out in Barstow Field. I believe is what they called, or I was told out at Barstow Field, I believe is what they called, where they have these big jet planes. We come to these situations. We come to moments where we come to a struggle or a situation or a trial or a temptation or something we can't get over. Brother Brandon would even talk about something you can't get over, can't get under, can't get under it, but he would talk about we, we, we would come to these moments in life. What do we have to do? We have to turn loose our faith. We have to believe. We have to confess it with our mouth. The positive, the good report, not the evil report, the good report, and say, I'm healed, I'm free, I'm happy. I'm doing good. I'm standing, I'm overcoming. And as we speak it, our whole body can come into subject with that. And our body will obey our confession. That jet plane in its travel, I believe this is a perfect example of sometimes overcoming those things that we fight with and fight with. It goes to a certain speed, and then it hits what it's called the sound barrier, the breaking point. That's something that takes a little bit to get through. And they say that plane struggles and shakes and struggles and shakes while it's trying to get through that sound barrier till it seems like the wings will tear off of it and bolts will rip out of it while it's going through that sound barrier. But once it gets beyond the sound barrier, then its speed is unlimited. It just flies free. And the church, and you sitting here tonight, oh, you're struggling and struggling, and God's a pulling to you and showing you things. If you can ever get past that sin barrier of unbelief, if you can ever take God at his word, let go and let God have his way. And that message, let go, I believe Brother Brown would take about that point about letting go and letting God. He would say, what that is, is taking God at his word, yeah. believing it. Yeah. That's when you let go of all the humanity, all the intellect, all the things of why it should or why it, 
And God is in control now. It says, if you can ever get past that sin barrier of unbelief, then unlimited will re- revival will break through. He would say the United States and everywhere. If you can get beyond that sound barrier, that sin barrier. Oh, is it true? Does it mean me? Could I be healed? Could I be saved? Could I be filled with the Holy Ghost? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter all of the other things that the enemy would say, oh, you've gone too far. If there's, Brother Brandon would say, if there's breath in your body, there's still hope. Take that to the devil for your son or for your daughter. If there's breath in their body, there's still hope. That's the promise of God. Can they be filled with the Holy Ghost? Yes, they can. Get beyond that. Just keep struggling, struggling, struggling until you break through and the Holy Ghost comes upon you. I'm telling you, you're beyond it then and there's 50 miles of elbow room, he says. But the Bible says, we do not see all things, but we do see Jesus. That's who I want to see. I want to see him. And how do I see him? In the fulfilling of his promises. How do I see him? Because he would say this and he'll do it. We don't see him physically on earth today, but we see him through the word. He promised he would be with us and even in us. I see it. I see it in my brothers and sisters. I see it in me. That's God fulfilling his word. We don't see all things. We're not supposed to. That's walking by faith. But we do see Jesus. He promised that whosoever may come and drink from the waters of life freely, if you're thirsty, come. He that heareth, say, come. All that's willing to come, or anybody, whosoever, I'd rather he'd say whosoever than to said William Branham. There might be more William Branhams, but when he said whosoever, I know he meant me. And that gives me a chance. Whosoever may come. Now Satan, the fundamental foundation of faith, I'm winding down. Now Satan, by the laws of sin and death, makes everything that sin and death brought now, the law, sorry, by the, now Satan, by the laws of sin and death, makes everything that sin and death bought operate to Satan, sends a cancer. The man recognizes it, receive it, receives it. Satan sends heartaches. We recognize it and receive it. If Satan, by his power, can make his laws work in man, how much more ought God, with his power, make his laws work in man? If Satan can make his laws be sure and us recognize it, how much more ought God to his children make his laws be recognized among his people of divine healing, revelation, power, gifts, manifestations of the Spirit, the law of sin and death works in the people, and the law of liberty of Christ has come to set us free from those things. Brother Brandon would close in prayer and begin to close in prayer and the message is looking at the unseen. Oh, Lord, how we, blessed Lord, oh, how we love to talk about you. Lord, knowing that this group that we speak to tonight, someday yonder beyond the blue, we'll meet them again and we, we will enjoy the blessings of God when we strike that city whose builder and maker is God. There'll not be any ambulances in that city. There'll not be any graveyards just outside the city. There'll never be a funeral preached in that city. I want to be in that city. There'll never be a sin in that city. For sin cannot enter in that place. I, I've thought about it. So many believers will move to acreages and go out. And it's a better place to be in many cases if you can. Less atmosphere, less things get away from the city. But you know, there's one city we can move to where we'll be comfortable, where we'll be free. We'll have good neighbors, 
good atmosphere. There won't be any night. The lamb himself will be the light. There's a city whose builder and maker is God. There'll be no sickness in that city. There'll be no need for physicians or medicine in that city. We'll live in his likeness, made in his image, fall conformed, conformed to his glory and be with him forever. And he says, oh God, how can men and women turn such down? We pray, Lord, that they'll look tonight and turn away from their natural thinking and let the Holy Spirit come into their hearts and give them a new look that we might look at the things that's unseen, the promises of God. We see tonight at end time. He says, and he begins to see what he sees. He says, I see a bomb yonder. I see the heavens on fire and the earth burning with the heat. I see people running into the streets here screaming and crying, but it's too late. Just as Noah preached and believed, it'll be too late then. Oh, I'm so glad we can see beyond that. Jesus coming upon his white throne with 10,000 times 10,000 of his saints saying, enter into the blessings of the Lord. That's been, prepared, that's been prepared for you since the foundation of the world. And he says, while we have our heads bowed, he says, how many in the audience would say, Lord Jesus, I believe I'm looking too much to the things of the world. Maybe you're not enthroned on my heart like you should be. I want you, Lord. He would say, raise your hand silently. We're looking at the things unseen. He would say, what do, you, what do I do now if I become a born-again Christian? What would my boss say? He says, think of what your Lord Jesus, think of what your Lord will say if you don't. Who's greatest, your boss? You may bury him next week. He may be gone by this time, but your Jesus will be forever. And to think that if you'll be in, if you be, be in hell, tormented with demons, wooing evil spirits around you, haunting you, forever separated from God without hope, what about then? And you may be there before the sun rises in the morning. He says, don't make this a joke. Don't make it a television act. Remember, it's the gospel, the eternal word of God that cannot perish. He would say, just coming up the street tonight, I saw a young man picked up off the street mashed to pieces. His car had got out of control some way, hit another car, the blood running out of him. The ambulance picking, picking him up. The boy laying there, his mouth open, the blood coming out of his eyes and ears, laid a blanket across and pulled it over his face, shoved him in the ambulance. Brother Branham standing watching. He says, I stood there, I thought, oh God, did that boy ever attend my meeting? Did I persuade long enough? This is real. The gospel is true. The call of the gospel, even on a Sunday night, is real. Did I persuade long enough? Did he know Jesus? It's all over now, he says. And I'm giving that opportunity now, friends. Don't think of these earthly things. Don't think of tomorrow. Tomorrow will take thought of itself. Let's think about today. Now while Jesus is close. We might not all see all things, he says, but we see Jesus who was in, made in the image of man to take away sin of man, to bring, man back, bring men back to reconciliation to God our Father. And then he would say, is that all that wants to raise their hand? Little by little, we'll overcome. That scripture would say, little by little, we'll see the victory. Little by little. If there's something, I, I, don't, I don't normally, maybe, I don't know, but... If God would move on your heart, accept him. Move on. Move on with God. If God wants you to say, there's a promise that God wants to fulfill in your life, move into it. We don't want to be at Kadesh and go the wrong way. 
We don't want to be this way or that way and, and, and have a moment of disbelief with God. And if God would call in your heart and say, I want to fill you, I want to save you, I want to deliver you, believe him. I'm a testimony. I know he can deliver. I know he can set free. I know he's real. There's something in me that can be a witness because I've seen him move in me. I believe I'm one of them that's been burned out by the Holy Ghost. I trust, I pray I am. I believe I am. God is so real. God is so true. Hell is so real too. That place, Brother Branham would describe it. In souls that are in prison now, maybe different messages, that darkness and all the things. There's no God. There was no nothing, he would say. There was no nothing there. Friends, we don't want to be found there. After all that we've heard and seen. And I, 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 wanna, I don't want to just leave it on that, but I'll stay here for a moment. We don't want to be found there. If there's little things, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little things that come down. It's the little things that we know when, when we're a little closer to the world than we are to God. What happens in that moment where we just didn't go all the way with God? What if we were raised in the message? I, I, what if we were raised in the message for 60 years and we just never fully humbled ourselves to a new birth? What if? What if? What would we do with ourselves? We just had too much pride to come to an altar or to just really die out. That's the thing that makes the church stand. That's the thing that makes the church live. That's the thing that kicks sin out, where sin would even be called out. That's what the church we want. We want a church like the book of Acts. I don't want Ananias and Sapphira in our church again today. I don't want that, but it could happen. But we want to be the right kind of church where it could if it needed to. Where sin would not stay. Where God would be on the throne of every heart. Where we would be in one accord and in one mind. Like the day of Pentecost where they were in one mind, one accord. Brother Brandon would say that at that 10 days of unifying time. They said there was Pharisees and Sadducees there. It took a long time for them to all see eye to eye with Peter and, and, and John maybe. But eventually they got there. They were unified. They were all together. And God came and so filled them. The next day they go out and 3,000 are added to the church. And it was added day after day continually. I want that church. I want that life. I want to live a life that would be worthy of the gospel, worthy footsteps, where we can be so true and so real and so upright. God help us. And you know what? Let me, let me now go to the other side. It's true and it's real and it's ours. That is the good report that it's offered to us. If we can accept it, if we can take it in our hearts and say, I believe it, it's real, it's true. I want it for my family. If dads can apply the token to their house, if, 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 if young people can apply the token to their life and say, no matter what the school says, no matter what this says, I believe it, I'm gonna live it, not by might, not by power, but by the spirit of the living God. Oh God, let us live it. If we've made a mistake, Brother Braddon would even say in the message, desperation, if, a, if we've made a mistake, some boy, some girl made a mistake, he's talking about Peter walking on the sea and beginning to sink. He says, get up. Get up. God, Peter went out. He went walking on the water. Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. He went walking. He got to looking at all the other things around him, all the evil report around him, and he missed that Jesus was right there. But Jesus caught him and began to pull him out, and guess what? He walked on water twice. He was walking on water. Let us walk. Brother Brandon would say, I think in, in the message, 
if God be for us, where are all the miracles? He would say that people might say, where are the miracles? And we've seen a miracle. There's more miracles. Cancer. But the, the true miracle of our life, Brother Bradham would say, before you can see the miracles, you have to become a miracle. What is becoming a miracle? Letting the fire of God come down and burn you out. Baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Make you the miracle first. And then you can walk and signs and wonders will follow. And the truth will be manifested and displayed. May God let us live it. One of them them said, I'll close with this quote. One of them said, one certain thing was taxes. I just kind of like this quote, I guess. I'm not sure if it fits, but I trust it's a blessing. One of them said, one thing was certain was taxes. He says, oh no, taxes aren't certain. The Lord may come. They can charge it off all then. It's all over then. They said, death is certain. No, sir. Death isn't certain. No, indeed. There might be a rapture, and then there's no death. Brother Branham said, death ain't too certain. No, not in this day. Many years ago it was certain, but today death isn't certain. That's the good report. That's the power of God. That's what God wants to bring us to, a place where death is not certain, but life is certain. Choose life. Choose God. Choose the good report. Amen. Let's all stand if the musicians could come. Maybe we could just bow our heads. I, I, I just, maybe we'll just go to prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father. Lord, I've just felt you in this service. And Lord, I just thank you for how you come, Lord. And you're so faithful and so gracious. And, you know, maybe the nerves I had even coming. And, but Lord, you're true and you're faithful. We know our Redeemer lives. And at the last day, we'll see him. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you'd take the words, if I've said anything of myself, forgive me, Lord. If, if there was something that wouldn't be taken in the right way or something, Lord, forgive me. But Lord, I pray. Lord, where we need a new birth, let there be a new birth. Where we need to look at the good report again, let us look at the good report again. We don't see all things, but we do see Jesus. Help us to keep our eyes on Jesus, to turn our eyes on Jesus. Help us to live the way we ought to live. If there's things we need to lay down or make right or move forward into, God, we can't stay, Brother Brandon would say, we can't stay mediocre. When we come to a service, we have to either move forward or go backward. God, help us as a church to move forward, as individuals to move forward, as families to move forward. God, help us to take the word into our lives and so let it burn out everything else. If we can truly let go and let God, the new birth is the revelation of Jesus Christ personally to us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. It makes us the revelation of the entire thing. God, we want to accept it tonight. Move us a little higher. Move me a little higher, oh God. Search us, try us. If we're at Kadesh, if we're at a place where we have to judge ourselves, let's check our lives. Let's look and see where am I at? Where do I stand? And Lord, I pray for your grace to show us where we're at. If there's something wrong, let us not serve a God of our imagination. A God where we think we're right, but we're a mile off. Lord, help us to walk firmly in the word. 
so sure of your promises and where we stand. Oh God, I pray you'd move. I just thank you for how you've come. Lord, we commit every part to you. Lord, I just pray if there's someone that would need you tonight, would you move on their heart, Lord? You're calling, you're moving. Lord, there's still an age where you're calling. There'll come a time where you won't, but there's still a time where you're calling. I pray it's not the rules of the message. It's not, it's the love of God that constrains us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You've so condescended to save every sinner, to pull back every backslider, to take every heart and life into subjection to the word. I pray you'd be free to move. We commit ourselves now into your hands in Jesus' name. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look for in his Oh, he 
my feet on solid ground. 